0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Do The Work Podcast. My name is Sabrina, and I am your host. I, if you can hear it in my voice, I am fucking amped for this week's episode. We have Therapy Jeff! I'm so
1: excited!
0: I've been counting down the days. I have been counting down the motherfucking days. I am just so over the moon. Therapy Jeff is one of the most authentic and real people. Our conversation, as you can hear, we have a lot of fun, and we go over what does it actually mean to be in a secure relationship? We dive into a little bit more on the attachment styles, what that looks like, how to date a little bit more healthy and secure, and what the spark actually is and I love Jeff's honest open authentic response and you know what it makes us all feel a little bit more human that even a therapist or a dating coach like myself we still have real fucking issues like the rest of us so I'm so excited I think you guys are gonna love today's episode I'm gonna link all of Jeff's information in the show notes for anybody who doesn't know who he is and as always if you want to work with me everything will be in the link in the show notes if you want a dating app audit work one-on-one ask me a question anything you need you guys always know I'm here same with the Facebook group don't forget to join the free support group the Facebook group. Everything's in the link in show notes. And as always, if you guys want to get your cozies, Do the Work gives you 20% off software, which is my baby. And why I'm so big on promoting it is because it's my favorite clothing line and it's mine. So without further ado, let's get right on into honestly, one of my favorite episodes and I'm fucking amped. hi jeff
1: hi how's it going
0: i'm good how are you i'm so excited to have you on do the work thank you
1: yeah of course i'm good i'm i'm a little uh feisty you know that that feeling that you get maybe like with your partner where you just sort of like want to pick a fight that's where i am today
0: Oh, yay. Okay. Well, hopefully we can pick a fight, not about something with us, but somebody else.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. (laughs) Um, So no, but overall I'm doing pretty good. I'm having a good day and I'm happy to be here with you.
0: Awesome. Well, for anybody who, I mean, almost everybody, when I said your name knows who you are, but for anybody who let's say doesn't know who you are, if you could just give us a little brief intro, I've been following you for a while. I fucking love you. So I am so stoked to have you, but I would just love a little intro for anybody who maybe doesn't have as much um, awareness around you.
1: Of course. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I'm a therapist. I've been a therapist for almost 20 years now. I routinely see individuals and couples. uh, But when I see couples, I only see the fun couples, like the couples that are still in love. I don't want the couples that are like, have been together for 25 years, haven't fucked for five of them, don't talk to each other anymore. It's just like bad vibes. Get out of here, babe. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> thank
0: you, but no, thank you. Yeah,
1: break up. Uh, I send those couples to other therapists that love to work on that shit. Um, so the couples that are like newly dating or just got married, premarital counseling was like is like a really fun one because you're just like, there's nothing, it feels like there's not much wrong. You just like want to like get in there and be cute together in front of me. Um so I've been seeing those folks for almost 20 years like I said I got my degree in marriage family therapy but I've been posting on TikTok and Instagram for next month well I guess this month since this episode's coming out in September it's going to be officially 2 years since I started doing that yeah uh, I got really bored in the pandemic uh well it was like a year into the pandemic I'd watched all 40 seasons of survivor have you seen survivor
0: (laughs) i've seen not 40 fucking seasons but i've seen it Uh wow you were you were bored okay
1: I was bored, and that is the most amazing show I've ever seen. If you want to turn this podcast episode into me convincing you to watch Survivor, I'm totally fine with doing that. I've, I've done that successfully many times. Uh, but when I like watched all the Survivor episodes, I was like, I'm going to try to do something new. And like mental health and therapy was trending, of course, during the pandemic. So I was like, I'm going to hop on TikTok. I'm obsessed with this app anyways. I'm going to start making content. And then like the fourth video I made went viral, and I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing now.
0: Fuck yeah. I know it's so funny. Um survivor? No, that's not my thing. But have you been a 90-day fiance or a love after lockup person?
1: <laughs> i i was dating someone during the pandemic and she was all about uh 90 day fiance and that fucking show is bonkers
0: it it do you understand though how many times i'm sure you do how many ways i can reference back and i'm like okay so this couple of 90 day fiance <laughs> right. because to me like which is gonna bring us kind of segue into like the meat and potatoes of what we're gonna talk about today which like really is a secure relationship, like what we all, att- we all want and we all attain. And this is like the life goal. But I think for a lot of people, myself included, like, just so you know, my history was like, it was the poster child of anxious attachment style. Mm-hmm. And for years I thought I was alone. I never understood that this was first. I didn't even know it was a thing until I like learned mm-hmm. about it. And I always just thought like, I'm crazy. There's something wrong with me. I'm fucked up. I've got all these childhood issues. It's me. I couldn't date. And I dived into this journey of self-help and discovery and all these modalities and tools. And this is how I came to where I'm at. But does that mean I don't watch trash TV, not a shot. And so when, duh. And so when I watch these shows, I see so much of this toxic behavior, especially with like the incessant texting and this creating this false sense of intimacy and having FaceTimes, but not actually spending time with this person that it also makes me feel a lot more normal. I don't know about you, but-
1: It does make me feel normal, huh? Right? A little bit.
0: But I wanted to kind of kick it off now that we're kind of talking about this, like to you as a seeing, you've seen 20 plus years of marriages, people that are working, people that aren't, what is a secure relationship? Like, how do you identify What does that mean to you?
1: Well, I'll tell you what I think a secure relationship looks like. And, And sometimes it can, okay, if we just sort of compare a secure to an insecure attachment, so secure... You know They're called the securely attached folks. And then insecure is either anxious, avoidant, and then sometimes a disorganized attachment is what we might call it. Um, those are the insecure ones. So if you have a secure attachment or relationship with your partner, if you have a problem, if there's like an issue that comes up between you two, typically that secure relationship will be like, oh, would you look at that? (laughs) Here's a problem. This is an issue. How are we going to change together? How can we adjust the system? What kind of compromises can we make in order to figure out how both of our needs are gonna get met or like some of our needs are gonna get met and we're gonna be really happy about it. We're just sort of like focus on the the system, the organism that you've created together and what changes do you all have to make? That's like a very secure attachment sort of thing. But if you're in an insecure attachment, anxious, avoidant, disorganized, and there's an issue that comes up, oftentimes it's like, oh shit, here's an issue. Okay, so this is how I need you to meet my needs and good luck on meeting your own. And that's yeah.
0: that. <laughs> and that That's was kind of
1: like the difference.
0: Fucking perfectly
1: said. Thank you for that. Yeah. And uh-huh. it's true. Like
0: I, for years was insecurely attached. And I, I also think it's funny that we were talking about this earlier, but like privately, but I think a lot of people are using attachment styles, like horoscopes now of like, oh, oh yeah. I've yeah. Oh, I've identified. I'm anxious. Like all I've even, like I do my coaching and all of people come in, they're like, so I'm an, I'm an anxiously attached person and I'm dating an avoidant. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Can we, I'm like, okay, so besides for the buzzword, what else do you think that means? You know, like-
1: yeah, totally. And it's also like we're on a fucking spectrum, like sometimes we're anxious in one relationship and we're not in the other and we feel really secure in these. And and it's so it a lot of it depends on the type of uh, interaction or the toxicity maybe that you have with the person. And, you know, if you're coming in and you're talking to me and you're finding you're like trying to get counseling with me, I'm going to spend so much time on your relationships, like in your childhood and what your relationship was with your family and with your parents. That's going to tell me a lot because usually the anxious attachment stuff, avoiding all the attachment stuff can be like uh, brought right back to, back to the family. Although that's not to say that you can't develop it um, in in your adulthood when you start dating people and you're on, in the dating scene, Like that could kind of drive you a little bonkers. Um, so that'll create some anxiety or avoidance as well.
0: Oh, 100 fucking percent. I always laughed. Like, I remember I dated a guy and he was, I mean, come to find out he was wildly avoidant. And -hmm. I remember when we dated, I was like, so, you know, like, tell me about your child, like your parents and things like that. And he's like, yeah, I had a a great childhood, no issues. And I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. Really? None? Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, my mom had like a bunch of boyfriends and would always kind of like go out and leave me at home. My dad was a raging alcoholic, but he was fine. They like, he fell asleep Mm. at some baseball games, but no big deal. And I'm just sitting here like. Oh, oh, okay. You're doing what I used to do. Oh, you've normalized this. You right. think that this is, everybody deals with this, right? I don't have any issues. And I'm like, I'm not trying to put a scarlet letter on your fucking chest. But right. what I am trying to do is say, maybe if we like, I don't know, lift the veil a little bit to understand you learned this behavior somewhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You learned in your childhood in order to sort of like survive your childhood emotionally, you know, like a lot of times we might be more insecure, anxious if we're, if we're like getting very inconsistent uh, attention and love from our parents or if our parents are alcoholics or workaholics or, or drug abusers. You don't quite know exactly what kind of person you're going to get. So you become like very hypervigilant. Usually the if I if you're an avoidant um I'll ask those clients like, oh yeah, tell me some memories from your uh, childhood. And they'll be like, I don't remember anything. There's yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, yeah, I think it was fine. I was pretty okay. I have no zero memories, which feels very normal to me. I'm like, okay, well, you know, if you're <laughs> oftentimes, if you're avoidant, that's like the way you avoid It's like not having any memories. You just have to like kind of dissociate, go numb, be in a fugue state or something. And that's how you survive childhood. And it's the... Have you? I don't know if you've experienced this. Tell me what you. So, I don't usually spend too long in my comment sections. <laughs> <laughs> it can be like a little nutty in there with like the arguments that people get into. But there's a real difference when I make a video, a piece of content about anxiously attached people and avoidantly attached people because the anxious attachers like they see the video they identify with it and they're like yes thank you i feel seen and then the avoidant ones the those the anxious people go in the avoidant videos and they're just like you fucking suck you're the devil i hate you and then the avoidants are just like i'm not gonna comment fuck this like they don't even give a shit you know what i mean it's or i'll see
0: the the avoidant will be like And here's the reason we're like this. Uh And you're like, thank you. And that's kind of, I'm glad you said that. Cause that, first of all, do I avoid the comment section? Like the plague? Yes, I do. Because it's, it's not good. I I wish people understood, like realistically, like I'm a brown girl in comparison to like what most people Mm -hmm. are, the amount of hatred I get. Like, Uh I don't talk about race, religion, I don't do no, 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 because it's not worth it. And Mm -hmm. so to most folks i'm like i always say, i'm like i'm not ignoring your dms i'm not ignoring stuff it's just like i i my mental health can't go there with the inundation of, of shit mm-hmm. what i've seen it's like i did one of saying like we've villainized the avoidant as if they're just these fucking awful human beings that are like picking you out and being like there they are i'm gonna fuck their day up mm-hmm. and i was trying to say like they're humans like the rest of us they just oh i don't know it manifests differently so as an anxious exactly. you go outward you're very i need this i need it it's a different way and as an avoidant you might go inwards dismissive or disorganized whatever it's kind Mm of different dynamics i'm like but at the same time fear of rejection fear of intimacy fear of abandonment it's like there's a a lot of the core root issues but i will always get like somebody trying to clap back of like you're justifying avoidance hurt people and you're justifying this behavior and i'm like spoiler alert as somebody who is now incredibly secure in a relationship, like feeling real fucking groovy, have never felt so good and all of these things, I've dated anxious folks as, as being one when I say the amount of, of overwhelm, like you feel like when you see their name on your phone, it like mm. I would literally cringe. I would hide my phone. Cause I had one guy, he was a stage five clinger who would text me so many times and call. I was getting dysregulated and I was constantly on edge to where I would like snap if somebody said something, because it was mm-hmm. just so much that I never felt like I was good enough.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I let me the, ask. Yeah, oh, go no, ahead. no,
0: please go on. No, no. Well,
1: the th- I, I feel I can feel similar when I date somebody who's like very anxiously attached. However, I am typically magnetized to anxiously attached folks. So sometimes uh, sometimes I like ask myself this question and I also ask clients this question. I'm just like, OK. We can try to do some work so that maybe you're not always going to be magnetized to an anxious person. And we can like try to figure out how you can be more secure and find more secure folks out there. Like that's a real possibility. Or if you think that you're always going to be like attracted to anxiously attached people, then how can you deal with it? How can you have compassion for them? What do you need to do? And also like, what is it doing for you? So one of the reasons I can be really magnetized to an anxiously attached person and also get similarly overwhelmed sometimes, like you just mentioned, i i I still feel I feel needed. I feel of value. I like they need me so much. That relationship with that anxious, attached person feels like the most secure relationship I'll ever be in because I'm just like, you're never going to leave me. I mean, I'm maybe <laughs> not thinking that consciously. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But like, I'm just like, there's there's no worry whatsoever. So I'm also interested in the people that like are attracted to those anxiously attached because they're getting so much out of that. Being with a stage five clinger sucks. And also there's a lot of security in that.
0: Yeah. Like, so talk about like the false sense of security If you're like, they're exactly. not going anywhere. It's like their bodies are not going to, you're right. <laughs> right. But I would, so the, you know, interestingly enough, I did a poll on Instagram mm-hmm. of like, you know, you saw what questions do you want me to ask? The number one question, mama, mama counted. I did. I spent a long fucking time going through comments because apparently I have nothing else to do. <laughs> and the number one question I got was how to tell someone is secure versus avoidant early on in dating. Now, for me, what I got, the first kind of message I got, now, a lot of those, the, a lot of the questions I got, you could feel the anxiety. You know what I mean? Like you could feel mm-hmm. that people are feeling anxious and I get it. <laughs> but what I kind of got from this is like, A reality that I think a lot of people don't really want to accept is like, you can't avoid getting hurt in dating. It can't be like that we're going to have this blueprint of, okay, here are the five things to look out for. And if you see this, run for the hills because people are nuanced. But nonetheless, I would be curious to hear from you if there is anything that comes to mind for folks that are out there dating, things that they can look out for, or if there's anything that comes to mind for you on how you really can tell the difference earlier on.
1: Well, I want to first... Like reinforce what you said. Because I also, when somebody asks me that question, when a client comes in with that sort of question, I'm usually just like, okay, so it sounds like you don't ever want to feel pain. How can you avoid pain? Which I would love to make it so that you never had to feel pain ever again. I don't want to fucking feel pain ever again too. So a lot of times you're going to start with how can you tolerate the feeling of pain? How can you accept whatever, like all that stuff um although that's not what people are here that's not why people are listening to this podcast episode (laughs) they want to know like like,
0: wait does it deal with it it's like (laughs) there you go good luck godspeed
1: yeah exactly uh one of the things though that i think makes it really difficult though which i'd like to know your feedback on is that like i think if you're avoidant or insecure if you have some sort of like insecure attachment it's incredibly hard to tell at the beginning sometimes because it's like the honeymoon period and you have like your best behavior on you, you know, typically, Mm -hmm. and there's like, the honeymoon period, like a therapist will call the honeymoon period the mutual positive projection period, because you're just like projecting uh. all the positivity onto each other. And any little red flag or imperfection or flaw or things that you should like look out for, like your brain does not see it. Like you're only focused. Uh, you're only, you're just like have these rose tinted glasses on. And you know what they say about rose-tinted glasses. All the red flags are just flags when you have rose-tinted glasses on, right? So you can't you can't really tell. So, like the next place I go, which still isn't answering this very important question, is <laughs> how can you forgive yourself if you didn't see it at first? Um, because I think that like six months, two years, ten years in, if you're like, oh no, I'm dating an avoidant, and I had no idea what the fuck is wrong with me. Well, you had rose colored glasses on, you were like mutually positive projecting all over each other. That totally makes sense. And that honeymoon period is super fucking important to try to only or mainly see the positive things because that builds foundation, that builds trust. So eventually, once you get out of the honeymoon period and you start to see who this monster really is, or you start to see like their flaws and imperfections, and you can be like, well, we have a good foundation. Let's like fuck around and see what happens here. Um. So there's also kind of like, if a relationship doesn't work out, a lot of times we we try to like paint this story or tell a story of like, I should have known yeah. so that will like give us more control, be like, oh, okay. I should have known. So next time I won't make the mistake. And that's another place that this like question is coming from, you know what right. I mean? So, okay. Let's try to answer the question though, because
0: <laughs> I was I like, know, otherwise what? I'm going to be like, I'll ask you another fucking question. <laughs> and then here we no, are.
1: No, I want to try to answer this question. So here's an uh, here's a, an answer that also might be slightly annoying. Uh, like what does your gut say? Cause a lot of times, like you might we not we might not be able to be like, here's like five signs that you should definitely look out for. But a lot of times your gut is telling you whether they are like available or not available or anxious or avoidant or something like that. So what does your gut say? But also like Does it seem like they're tuned in and tapped into when you tell them about like an emotional thing or a vulnerable thing? Can they like connect with you while you're talking to them about it? Does it feel like they have good, pretty good empathy and sympathy for the experience your emotional experiences that you're going through? Do you feel connected to them or does it feel like they're just sort of not quite there, you know, like, um, Do they feel consistent? Does it seem like they really care about you? Do they remember important things? Like how connected are they actually? Because if they're more avoidant, then they're just gonna seem a little aloof. They're gonna seem like they don't quite care. You're gonna like start getting those pings inside of you that like something is off and something is wrong. So yeah, with my clients, I'm usually just like, what does your intuition say? Let's kind of like dissect it together. You can usually tell if you pay attention.
0: I was going to say, I'm glad you said that because I remember when I was dating the guy, the one with the the issues, mm-hmm. he was the guy, he was the guy I dated right before I met my current partner. Mm-hmm. And I was going chasing after, Oh, but he texts me every day. Okay. But he texts me every single day and he wants to see me all the time. And it was like, but in my gut, I knew that when we would, tr- when I would try to connect with him, like, I remember telling my friend, I was like, yeah, I did a touch base. And she was like, what do you mean you did a touch base? And I was like, it would have been like a month that we'd been dating. And I said, so like, how are you feeling? What's coming up? And she's like, you had to like actually touch base with him. Like he didn't, you guys just didn't have these conversations. And at first I was like, oh, what's the big deal now that I have the partner that I have, who's fucking awesome. It's true. I'm like, I don't have to touch base with him. We're constantly talking. We're constantly engaging. He's mm-hmm. beyond secure, but I wanted to actually, because I would like to hit on something that you said that was really, really important earlier about the honeymoon stage, because oftentimes we're, we're seeing, especially all over fucking social media and all of these things. And like, my boyfriend doesn't listen to the podcast. God bless him. He's just like, I want, I don't need to hear it. He's like, I hear you talk enough. So I, this is kind of my Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana moment where I can kind of say anything, but realistically speaking. So we're moving in together. He's moving into my apartment next month. And then we're going to get our house a couple months later after. And I realized this just literally this morning when I was talking to my friend, I was like, Oh fuck, I have an issue where every time I'm with somebody, I've had like four major relationships in my adult life. I'm in my thirties now. And this is the by far the most like, actually like, this is, this is somebody I'm very much taking seriously. And every time around the nine month mark, all of a sudden, when it's time to like talk about moving in together and that happens, I start to get this pang of, oh my God, I don't think I'm that into this person. Oh my God. I did my, did I go off my anxiety? Did I just want a boyfriend so bad that I just overlooked? And to this day, I've always broken up with the person after about mm-hmm. 10 months or wait, we just move in together and shortly thereafter. And I think on the outside, everybody sees, we call him tech guy. He wants to, he doesn't like his name being used. God bless him. <laughs> okay. I mean, he knows TikTok yeah, and he's sure. like not yes. doing it. So it. sure. So uh-huh. tech guy, and it was like, so now we're at that point. And I had this moment this morning where I was like, oh my God. And my, you know, I realized like, oh, the intimacy is starting to happen. And I had this moment of, is this, is this, is this person for me? Am I doing the right thing? Oh my God, wait, no, but he's not who I thought I was going to be with. And he's not this version of who I thought he was going to be with. And I had to stop. And I was like. The honeymoon phase is starting to fade. Where now, like you had said, where I was like, but now what? I I had to stop, and I was like, but how does he handle things? I woke up the other day anxious as fuck, just being in my head about something, and I kind of snapped at him. And for he, instead of react, he grabbed me and he hugged me and he said, "I'm here. What do you need for me?" And he was like, "I can feel that you need something," and he was like, "How can I support you through this?" I remember just looking and I was like, "What did you just say to me?" And like sometimes I'm looking, and I'm like, "Are you real?" But I wanted to kind of shed light on the fact that like you could be in something super secure and super healthy while also saying, wait a minute, am I having other core beliefs come up? Oh my God, wait, is this right for me? What's going on? Like, it doesn't mean that just because you met somebody with this arbitrary secure title on them that all of a sudden all of those anxieties are going to go away and you're just like never going to feel any of this again. And whoop, it's very much the real thing. But to your point, when I had that moment and I stopped and I said, but how do we handle things? And I was like, wait a minute this person's fucking incredible. We talk, we communicate, we handle issues. We we don't fight. We talk through things. Mm-hmm. We don't say mean things. And I was like, now that, that is why I'm like, no, we're going to do this. And mm-hmm. no, we're going to move in together. And we are going to, Zohar, you're going to fucking push through and you're going to try. Because I think, I think a lot of folks that feel, they feel like they're broken or there's something wrong with them and I'm never going to find anybody. And it's like, even if you do find somebody secure, it doesn't mean that all of this goes away.
1: No, yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean that all of it goes away. And it actually kind of, makes room for other issues to come up, like other more important issues, like intimacy issues that you need to work through. So if you're constantly, if you have a pattern, you're ending in relationships at nine or 10 months, okay, there's something going on there, you're having like a little freak out or being a little sabotage or all of a sudden, like changing your mind about something. So now for you to get to that point and be, and be mindful and thoughtful enough about this 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 thing, this pattern could come up right now, but I'm going to deliberately do something different about it. And instead of like completing that pattern, I'm going to have like a healing experience. That is so incredibly important. And you just started that healing experience by being like, no, okay, I can tell I'm having a little bit of a freak out. I'm feeling kind of anxious, but I'm going to pay attention to the good things, the good way that we can communicate, the healthy way that we attach to each other. So I can like let that go, but that's going to like leave room for even more like intimacy issues that maybe haven't been dealt with that are, that's going to come up and, and you two are going to like have these, what a therapist might say is corrective experiences. So if somebody has like abandonment issues, eventually they get past the honeymoon period and they're like, oh no, I'm going to be left. I know I'm going to. And then your partner is just like, Hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. And they sort of like shake some sense into you. There's still going to be a part of you that wants to bail, but there's this bigger part of you that wants to go ahead and connect and do something and choose. Like sometimes you have to choose between like harmony, which you made that choice in that moment of I'm going to choose harmony Instead of chaos, or instead of excitement, or instead of drama, and sometimes the allure of drama and chaos and excitement is so alluring that you're just like fuck it, I'm going to leave this securely attached relationship, and you do you fine. If you that's what you then okay, I'll support you, but you're probably eventually going to get to the point where you'd rather choose harmony and stability and security. That still can be exciting, um, but not as dramatic, maybe.
0: No, and I think hundred percent. I think that's why, to me at least, what I find with a lot of people that's like okay, if you're super anxious and you're always going for the emotionally available, unavailable person, and you're going for the mm-hmm. avoidant, and it's like the up and de- the highs feel high and the lows feel low, as opposed to healthy equals boring. It's like no, mm-hmm. my nervous system's really fucking calm though. Yeah. yeah, she's loving this right now. It's like anytime there's a peak, the valley comes in of like okay, we're going to balance this out. But it's interesting because. Never mind. Um, Oh no, that was what I was going to ask you. Cause you kind of mentioned it was like the spark that I mean, like wanting that. I think a lot of people, I am not a big fan of like chasing the spark or chasing that feeling because I think it's fleeting. It's not compatibility, but I think I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on like, if somebody is constantly chasing the spark or chasing this, uh, you know, there's no chemistry. I don't feel this. I don't feel this connection off the bat. Like after one or two dates, they're already out. I'd like to know if there is something deeper there besides obviously like, okay, well, yeah, you know, you're chasing this feeling and all, but like anything that you've seen in your time that goes a little deeper, what your thoughts are even on the spark?
1: Well, I'm that guy. I'm chasing the spark.
0: (laughs) You know what? I appreciate the honesty.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, and so, you know, I I chased that spark in my teens and in my twenties and then in my 30, 30, 31, I found somebody and there wasn't a lot of spark and there wasn't like a ton of chemistry it was a different kind of like spark and chemistry, a little bit more subdued, more stable, secure. And it felt like a real adult, a relationship. It was just like, oh, I'm out of my twenties now. I'm gonna stop being chaotic. That was a lot of fun and very upsetting at certain times. And I had so much like heartbreak uh, when I was like looking for that spark and I was good at creating that spark and finding that spark and then flaming out. Um, and then I met, uh, Kate and then we got married a couple years later and then I was married to her for almost my entire thirties and it was really nice and very sweet and very stable and secure, but it was kind of missing <laughs> like a little bit of that spark that I needed. It just sort of like, we couldn't really like connect in this way. And I'm not even saying like sexy way It was it's more of like an emotionally intimate way, yeah. um, so that was a bummer. And we divorced uh, right before, like in 2019, right before the pandemic. And then I got out of that marriage and I was like, feed me those fucking sparks.
0: <laughs> I, you I give was me a so fucking chaotic. Show.
1: Yes. Oh my God. I got on Hinge and Bumble and I was, this was pre-therapy, Jeff, but I was like a mess. Uh, I couldn't admit it either. Like. Uh, I like fooled myself into thinking that I would, this is a very good time for me to date multiple people at the same time. There's nothing wrong with this at all. Um it turned very messy. I do not recommend. I should have taken some time off after uh, a an eight, nine, 10-year relationship and marriage. Um, but that spark usually like for me and for a lot of the clients that I talk to, it comes from this place of just sort of like, um, insecurity. I need you to complete me. I want you to like take me over this like chaotic roller coaster ride is so exciting and so enthralling. And like, I don't want to think about work. I just want to like do this thing. And it's usually like I'm filling a void. There's something inside of me like, you know, mom didn't hug me enough and dad rarely played catch with me, sort of bullshit. Like, like I'm just like, I'm like, I'm starving for it and I can get it in this very dramatic way. That's all very make-believe. I'm projecting a bunch of shit onto her and she's projecting a bunch of shit onto me and it's not actually a real relationship and it feels addictive. There's like this addictive sort of codependent quality to it uh, and it feels kind of dangerous and exciting. So, a lot of time, the spark is coming from a place of like, you're not feeling filled up, there's a void inside of you, you, sh- you might want to go to therapy to check that out. But there's also like, uh, it's, it's because of Hollywood, it's because of movies, it's because of like TV and books and bullshit like that. It's because of like society like has told us that there needs to be some sort of special spark. Um, but you're not like, eventually the spark fades, like there should be some sort of spark and chemistry in the honeymoon, typically, and then it goes away. And then you get the chance to have like a real relationship with somebody. Now you're getting that chance, or it's sort of like we call it like integrated love where you have like all the lovely things about them and then there's like some annoying things some imperfections maybe a red flag or two but you love them anyways or you love them in spite of that or you think their red flags or imperfections are kind of endearing or whatever mm-hmm. uh so then you also have to start like creating some of that spark cuz that novelty sort of wears off so like It's funny you you talked about like ninety day fiance, ninety day fiance, married at first sight, like those are like some garbage, like not even well produced reality shows. And then you watch like the bachelor franchise or something. And that is just, like, beautiful. And The Bachelor knows how to create that fucking spark, man. They got you, like, traveling to the most beautiful places in the world. They, You're naked bungee jumping. You're doing cave diving together. Like, you can't not fall in love. Those producers know how to make you fall in love. And there's a proximity effect. And you're competing against other people for your person, you know. But it's not that bad of an idea when you're trying to create the spark after the honeymoon period to like take some guidance, like go traveling, go do things that are dangerous a little bit, like get out of your comfort zone. And that's how you create it. So the spark oftentimes comes from a place of like, I don't feel fulfilled, fill me up. And it's not very healthy. Yeah.
0: No, and I and I appreciate even that you were honest to be like, I'm, I'm into it. Like, but, but
1: I love it. I'm still going for it. If you want to get into a complicated, <laughs> fucked up, chaotic relationships, slide into my DMs. I was
0: about to say at therapy, Jeff, uh-huh. um, <laughs> listen, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Do I, did I love a fucking, mm. one of those sexy ass narcissists that was super mm. charming mm-hmm. on date one where you're literally like, I'll never forget calling my mom from the bathroom. I remember the guy I met right before I was with my partner, like at the same time. And you just, I, t- I called my mom in the bathroom. She's my best friend. And I was like, I'm fucked. I was like, oh my God, I haven't felt this for anybody in so long. And it's like, and sure enough, three days later, the guy ended it. And he was like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I'm not ready. And it's like, what it? You want to go over the spark, enter at your own risk, go ahead, have fun, go fucking chase that shit all day if you want. But that might, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be compatible. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a long-term relationship here. So if we're going for secure, I just, it makes me sad. Like when I have friends or anybody that like I had my one friend, um, and he was like, yeah, she was nice. Didn't feel a spark. And I was like, Hmm. did you have a good time? Yeah, she was super cool. We had a lot in common. And I'm like, Maybe go on another date. No, no, no. I didn't feel the spark. And I'm like, see, that's what sucks.
1: That does suck. And the thing is, is like, if you do get into that relationship or isn't like, it isn't super sparky, you can actually develop a ton of trust and safety Mm -hmm. and security. And it's those relationships actually where like I've done like the most adventurous, freaky, sexy shit with them because like we're so safe together. So I get to tell them all about my fantasies that I've never told anybody else. It feels super safe and they get to tell me theirs. And there's so much trust building that can happen. And that can be very sparky. It's just a different type of spark that's actually like incredibly healthy and more longer term, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean?
0: Oh, totally. I'm doing that now. My partner, like, we'll do stuff. And I'm like, I'll even catch myself moments just thinking about him and smiling. And I'm like, see, that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of more what I would want versus Mm -hmm. that anxiety of when you think about them, your heart drops. You're like, yeah, because I don't Mm -hmm. know what I'm gonna fucking hear from them again. Exactly. But I do want to ask, since I know that we're kind of unfortunately coming down to the Mm -hmm. end of this, but Mm -hmm. I do want to hit on something that a lot of people are feeling right now is like how to handle like we've kind of gone over okay we know like really what a secure look, relationship looks like obviously just for anybody we haven't said this but i'm gonna go ahead and say it for us yes any insecure attachment can become secure it's not you are not a fixed Sorry, yes. fucking mm-hmm. thing but just right. for argument's sake rejection though i'm getting it i mean day in and day out. i'm sure you hear it all the time fucking every day and you're dating too so you're in the trenches as well of like how do i not take rejection personally how do i handle this because like, I think this kind of ties into like, you don't want to go, you know, you want to date and you don't want to get hurt. And it's like, well, that's not realistic. So how can we help those out there that are feeling it so personal against them that it's like, there's something wrong with them, like to be able to cope a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Before I answer that direct, good question. <laughs> what there's There was a time where I was getting rejected. This was in my like later 20s. And there was a time where I was getting more rejected than I had ever gotten rejected before. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why am I getting I'm going on like a date or two, maybe three. And then it ends. And I have no idea why. And I did this thing. And I want to know if you've ever done it or if you would even approve of anyone doing it. Where I was just like, I'm going to ask. I asked three or four of the people that I went on dates. date. So I was just like, why, why, why did you reject me? I'm going to like not take it personally. I'm going to try my best to not take it personally. I'm going to not ask any follow-up questions. So I'm not going to make you feel weird about it. I'm just going to like receive this information. I'm only going to read it when I'm like emotionally stable enough to read it. <laughs> and I got some really good feedback. Yeah. And that the feedback like was mostly like, So I was going after, I was like very attracted to a certain type of woman in my like later 20s. And those women, were typically attracted to not me. They were like usually attracted to like big, muscly dudes that were kind of broy and strong. And I'm like, I'm like this slender guy that's like emotional and vulnerable and kind of dry and witty or something. Well, like they wanted like a fucking man, like a stereotypical jet whatever. And so they'd be like, you're a little kind of Femi for me, or like you're just not like, and I was like, oh there's nothing I can do about that. I like that about me. I think that my sensitivity is actually attractive to the right people. Like though I should be going after people that like her more. you know what I mean? So that's just like I don't, have you ever done that? Would you ever do that?
0: Actually, I, as you said it, I was like, yes, I have. I had I had the same thing. My late 20s when I lived in New York, it was a string of one-hit wonders. I remember telling my therapist, I'm like, what the flying fuck?" And mm-hmm. I started doing that. I said, listen, I'm just curious for my own growth. Is there any feedback that you'd give to me so that I can implement this moving forward? And what I what was great about it was kind of to your point, it made it a lot less personal. Like mm-hmm. for them to say, you know, like one guy, he was like, honestly, he's like, you're fucking awesome. And he was like, I just am really into blondes and I'm just not turned on by a brunette. And I was like, okay, well, I can't really. That's what I'm dealing with. Another guy, he was like, I'm not, he was like, you know, hearing the way that you talk about things. He was like, I can tell I'm not going to be able to satisfy you and I'm not going to make you happy. One guy, it was my sexual proclivities. Like I'm fucking kinky as shit. And I like, we'll talk about that. I'll Mm -hmm. talk about sex early on. What it allowed me to realize was Oh, this has nothing to do with my worth. This wasn't that I'm not good enough. This wasn't any of that. It was really just you're a human who likes different things besides the human that's standing in front of you. But that doesn't mean I need to change or morph myself into becoming the person that you want. Yes, yes,
1: yes, exactly. And that's usually where I go when somebody asks me this rejection question. It's just like, especially if it's like you get rejected on the apps or you get ghosted after a date or like they don't even fucking know you. They have no No. idea who you are. They're projecting so much bullshit onto you. So like they're rejecting you, I guess, but like, they're not actually rejecting who you really are and who your personality is. They're just sort of like uh, being weird. They're feeling triggered. Like it just doesn't work out. Who knows why they're like bailing, but they don't have enough information about you to really make an informed decision about like what, you know what I mean? So there's that. All that being said though, um, there is, and I've talked about this recently on a, Video. When you're out there on the apps and you're like messaging people and they don't message back, or you go on a first date and then you get ghosted, or you go on three dates and it just doesn't quite work. And that happens over and over and over and over again. Those are micro rejections and they are just these paper cuts that fucking suck. And they usually like eventually make you resentful, angry, waiting to be rejected once more. Like they put you in a really negative space. So now you're on the apps and you're like, scanning for reasons for why people are going to reject you you're like already you're like you have this contempt and pessimism that just probably isn't a good look and you're like self-fulfilling prophesying these like rejections at that point so you might also like need to take a break from the apps if that's what's going on
0: and i always i oh yeah i mean the apps, listen, I met my partner in an app so long I'm biased. I, I think it's, sure. it's, very, it's a very normal way to meet. I've met plenty mm-hmm. of people on them. And I think to me, I'm like, I also just had to really depersonalize that shit when it came to the apps because otherwise you can really get You could fucking rabbit hole into rejection. But I had to also kind of call myself on my shit. And I was like, all right, Zohar, are you really being rejected? Like, do these people even know you? Rejection is also being judged. And I'm like, you're not being judged. You're not being ridiculed. You're not being put down. This isn't dad that is fucking saying that you didn't do something good enough. This is just another human being saying, I think you're very lovely, but I do not want a life with you. And it's like- Mm -hmm. I also think we need to be cognizant of the fact that we are meeting an inorganic amount of people, especially on dating apps in a small confined time. It can't work out with everybody. And if my thing is like when I get people that'll be like, oh, I got ghosted eight times last like in a week. And I'm like, first of all, can we talk about this? What do you mean ghosted eight times? That's hurting your self-esteem. No, you didn't get ghosted. That person just doesn't (laughs) want to see you again. But it's like, then I would kind of like you said, those micro things of like the little paper cuts. Then I would look and say, okay. Okay is there a pattern here? Maybe mm-hmm. on the date, are you talking about your childhood traumas and the fact that like, yeah, yeah. Your, your dad didn't play catch with you? Are you right. dumping about the fact that like you hate your job so much? Are uh. you talking about all of the insecurities that you have? It's like, we can learn from it as opposed to saying, oh, there's, I knew that it's like, that's just reaffirming the core belief of like, oh, see, they didn't want me because there's something wrong with me. As opposed to being like, how am I showing up? Maybe can we take accountability, not blame, but accountability of also how we're showing up with in conjunction with like when I was dating in L.A., I was like, it's also fucking L.A., you know, like yeah. I was used to it being good luck. You might never see this person again.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, fucking. I grew up in L.A. and I Did also do L- Yeah, I, I can't stand that fucking place.
0: I yeah. fucking hate L.A.
1: Oh, yeah, I so do. do I. I,
0: I'm in San Diego now. It's so fuck that place.
1: Oh, I was in San Diego for two years. I uh, went to San Diego State. I really enjoyed it there.
0: Nice. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for being. This was like seriously one of the most fun conversations I've had. So thank you. Yeah, and of course. Thank you for your vulnerability. Um, For anybody that wants to find you, I'm going to link everything in the show notes, but just in general, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, you can just look me up, uh, look up Therapy Jeff on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or therapyjeff.com. I also have my own podcast called This Changes Everything. I do that with my friend, co-host, other therapist, Sarah. Um, Yeah, I'm working on a book that will, but that's not coming out until next summer. So, yeah. Book,
0: yeah. Well, thank you again so much. And I'm so excited to hopefully we'll have to do this again soon and talk about more shit.
1: Of course. Thanks.
0: Of course.